Hello world, my name is Harmony and I am a medical cannabis patient here to educate you about medical cannabis. Should the legal age for cannabis be 25 or 21? While more and more states are making it so cannabis is both medically and recreationally legal, a lot of people are wondering, what about the kids? Some states are trying to make it so edibles cannot be sold in stores in fear of making it enticing for children. In California, you can't sell edibles that represent modern-day candy such as gummy bears. But if you want to make some at home, nobody's going to stop you. The main concern revolving around youth and cannabis use is the fear of altering the brain during development. This can be shortening or delayed short-term and long-term memory, delayed motor skills, demotivation, less intellect, and of course, the possibility of psychosis and chronic addiction, as well as increased risk for depression and anxiety. These are the claims. According to Leafly, quote, researchers at University of Pennsylvania's Paraland School of Medicine reviewed 69 studies of cognitive function and adolescent and young adult cannabis users performed between 1973 and 2017 and found a small overall effect size for reduced cognitive functioning associated with frequent or heavy cannabis use. The participants age and the age when they began using cannabis had no effect on this. Perhaps most importantly, researchers found that even that small impact was rendered insignificant by a a 72-hour absence period. Although continued cannabis use may be associated with small reductions in cognitive functioning, the authors concluded, results suggest that cognitive deficits are substantially diminished with abstinence." One thing I've always wondered about studies in youth and cannabis use is the effects on adulthood and not just teenhood. Like, does cannabis use make it harder for an individual to keep a job because they lack some kind of intellectual skills and not just because of a record or the mentality to quote-unquote keep the man down? Does cannabis make it harder for the user to show up to work? What about moderate use and different methods other than smoking? What about people who smoked in their teens but quit before or during they turned 20? When a study says altered brain function, what exactly does that mean and how does that stack up to other medications and alcohol? I do not advocate for youth to smoke weed, just like I'm not going to advocate youth to drink alcohol. But I think we also have to understand what strict restrictions mean for youth and how chronic use can become a thing, and the differences between cannabis and other drugs. The argument to bump the cannabis legal age to 25 is to try to protect growing brains. But what kind of message does that send to youth, and does it account for the black market? The drug war has made it so certain drugs are mysterious and rebellious. 
Therefore, they may they can be more enticing for a teenager who feels frustrated, misunderstood, and both wants an escape and a way to rebel either against parents or society as a whole. <laughs> to these kinds of people, rules are meant to be broken, and the side effects don't scare them. A lot of people who have this mentality also have optimism bias, where even if they believe the dangerous side effects to something, they won't they believe it won't happen to them because they'll be careful or it simply will be less likely happening to ha to them. If it's not optimism bias, then the individual most likely has depression or some other kind of mental illness where they simply don't care what happens to them even if they die. They might actively seek out drugs as a way to self-harm or punish themselves. But for the teenagers and adults alike, whether they choose to indulge in cannabis or not, putting certain age limits on different drugs sends the message that one is better, healthier, or less dangerous than the other. Tobacco and nicotine can be legally purchased at age 18, even though nicotine by itself can be a poison in itself where you do not want it to touch you, and the smoke can either have a lot of car cancerous carcinogens as well as a high addiction rate, making it so a lot of people who smoke cigarettes famously start and stop several times in their lives before they break the habit. Alcohol can be purchased at 21 and is famously known for hangovers, where you're severely dehydrated and are in a short-term alcohol withdrawal. Alcohol can also black out or lapse in your own memory and make you physically ill if you are a chronic user and can lead to death in withdrawal or overconsumption. Not to mention pharmaceutical medications that can be accessed at any age as long as as it is greenlit from a doctor, which can be which can cause anything from increased suicidal thoughts to cardiac arrest to zombified state of mind or even just a foggy mind. By order of the law, tobacco and nicotine are the safest to consume recreationally. Alcohol is the second safest. And if you bumped cannabis up to 25, that would make it seem like cannabis is the most dangerous drug out of all of them. Does that seem right to you? Now, I can hear the counter-argument. Okay, then let's just put the age to 25 for all these drugs. That should help, right? It might scare off a lot of people at first, yeah. I mean, just look at the prohibition with cannabis. However, this is where the black market would thrive, just like it did with the alcohol prohibition, and just like it is now with the cannabis prohibition. When you take away a vice, people want it more, and might want to use it more as well. Think of it like this. Say, you don't eat cookies for a long, long time. Maybe you're not allowed cookies in one way or another, discounting allergies or legitimate immediate health risks. And one day, you're allowed to have cookies, and they are in a big plate in front of you. Not everyone, but a lot of people would chow down on those cookies fast and as much as they could because they won't know when they're going to get their next cookie. 
so you might as well enjoy yourself and, enjo and indulge while you can. It's why people who are newly 21 usually tend to get fucked up and are in a quote-unquote party phase until 25 or so. Because they are finally given this mysterious, exciting, dangerous substance that is simultaneously is normalized by society. And they might want to catch up from all the years they didn't get to indulge. The black market will provide what the retail will not. Which not only can cause crime, it can also cause nonviolent offenses, especially in minors, as well as the chance of getting dangerous product, like the life-threatening fake cannabis we're seeing in the streets called Spice. The name might have changed by now, and I'm not sure. Also, drugs getting cut with fentanyl, another thing we keep seeing in the streets. And with cartridges on the rise, people are trying to make synthetic cards that can be dangerous to the health as well. Even if you take the dangerous drugs out of the equation, that still leaves minors and minorities at risk for non-violent offenses on their record and or incarceration. And when you put that to comparison of a plant that doesn't kill people, to me that seems unjust. To some people, that's just the way of the world, and that's the consequence you get for breaking the law. If you can't do the time, don't do the crime. But remember, people have optimism bias, and if we're arguing that this is the best for minors because of brain development, then it could be argued that their brains aren't developed enough to grasp consequences of the future, as long with the desire to be rebellious with optimism bias, then it just seems like the law is bait so that the vulnerable teens who fit into this category are made sure to have records of some kind. And usually the teens who f do fit this category, adults as well, are looking for relief and escape from something, which again makes them vulnerable and an and increases the likelihood that they are a type of minority who needs resources. <clears throat> so to recap before we move on, if the legal age of cannabis is 25, then that would make cannabis look like the most dangerous recreational drug to the public out of tobacco, nicotine, and alcohol. This leaves people more likely con to consume nicotine and alcohol even in excess on the premise that it can't be as bad as cannabis, despite the obvious dangers to these drugs. If all drugs are illegal until 25, or even just how it has been where alcohol and nicotine are fine, the black market will step in while the, where the retail stopped, which increases the risk of getting dangerous product, as well as the increased risk of having a non-violent offense or incarceration because of a glass of whiskey, a joint, or a cigarette. Would you want to be less likely to get a job because you drank some whiskey at 23 or a joint? As well as the fact that as long as the drug is restrictive, the more enticing and exciting it becomes for minors which increases the desire to either seek it out or binge it once they are finally legal to consume it. Again, look at the famous early 20s party phase most people have. 
So how does overconsumption of cannabis become a thing? Because in order to have major consequences of a drug, you usually have to consume it over the limit that you need. Now, some drugs have very minuscule limits like how little fentanyl you need to kill you. But also, does overconsumption of cannabis happen for every minor that consumes? I would say it depends on what the person is using it for. If it's to bond with some friends, then they might not consume that much, especially if the cannabis is shared between a group. However, this can still cause a problem in case someone wants to fit in, which can make someone want to keep up with the rest of the group, even if they are already at a high enough level for them. Though, unlike with alcohol, this isn't going to cause any kind of poisoning or near fatality. It's just going to make them paranoid. However, if the person is using to escape or rebel from something, this is where we might see, most likely see chronic use. You have to take enough to numb yourself out and forget pain. If pain is happening all the time, you're going to want to get high all the time. This is also a root of addiction. I personally think with alcohol and cannabis, addiction isn't the drug itself, but what the drug does for them. They both blend stress in one way or another and can create a state of euphoria. It's a release. And if done long enough, it creates a state of familiarity. Meaning, even if they are taught other coping skills, they won't be up to par because they don't cause the exact same feeling. Nothing is going to match that kind of relief unless the actual need or desire that they lacked in the first place is met. However, the downside to that is they might not have the full desire to seek out that original need because it's already filled with a substance. With the age of the internet, I do believe there will be teens who seek out the plant in exploration and physical relief rather than pure recreation. Especially in this day and age where organic and veganism are taking the trend by storm, as well as spiritual practices or awareness, whether or not those practices are legitimate to the soul, cannabis plays into that as being an organic, relatively safe option over pain relievers, and as something you can add to or make into food. It is also stapled into history as being the main drug the hippies used in the 70s, so it would naturally become a tradition for the new aged hippies we are seeing nowadays. Now, None of this makes minors consuming cannabis right. I'm just trying to show the reasons they may use and the fact that it's not malicious intent, nor is it stupidity most of the time. I don't think we should put records on kids who need help or relief, especially for a plant that cannot kill you. Now I want to get into the medicinal side of the argument. Disability can happen to anyone at any age. I was born with one. 
And yes, disabilities that can cause chronic pain or seizures or something that prevents you from keeping food down. Also, just a little note because I see people who think that seizures aren't a big deal other than biting your tongue. Seizures themselves can cause brain damage and losing the ability to talk or walk or eat by yourself. They can be deadly. Seizures aren't a fucking joke. Now, I don't know what it's like to be inside a body that doesn't feel chronic pain. But the people who don't experience chronic pain assume that if you just take some aspirin and physical therapy that your pain will go away or be bearable. And I can tell you that that is not the truth. I won't go into my entire story. If you want to hear my story, there is a podcast segment called Why I Smoke Weed. But before cannabis, I was taking five pills of ibuprofen twice a day. I was walking two miles a day and eating vegetarian. Vegetables, fruit, and beans were all I was eating. But it still wasn't enough. It didn't take long before walking hurt me where I had increased lockups, something I referred to when I am in so much pain from my spine that I cannot move, and everything from my feet, knees, and everything in my spine felt like fire. I still couldn't put on my socks and shoes without screaming in pain. I still had limited movements. I still had treatments and medicines that causes many seizures in my intestines just to get them to move. I still had chronic constipation and pain that would make me scream, puke, and fatigued all at once to the point where it's hard to get three feet from my bed to the bathroom. Over-the-counter shit can't touch that kind of pain. And my condition isn't even as bad as some children out there. For other kids and adults out there with physical Im- physically impacting disabilities, we have... A couple of choices. Either take painkillers or other pharmaceuticals that will still impact brain and body function only to a point where it can be addicting and the withdrawal is terrible and some medications, even pain relieving ones, can cause things like dissociation, foggy mind, and great fatigue. Painkillers aren't all that children with disabilities get, however. There are seizure medications that can do the same things. Some children go through chemo or chemo. Some children go through chemo or treatments that are similar to chemo. There are a lot more medications that I don't know the names of, but you can look at the documentaries Weed by Dr. Sanjay Gupta as well as Weed of the People on Netflix to get an idea of what I'm talking about. Now the other choice is to suffer in chronic pain with no relief. At first glance, that might not seem so bad to people. Just push through the pain. But everyone has their limits. And with people who have chronic pain or chronic conditions, that limit is cut tremendously. Even if it looks like we're doing fine. Suffering with chronic pain is tossing and turning in bed in the middle of the afternoon, screaming and crying, sometimes trying to hit other things to distract from the pain. 
suffering with chronic pain is barely able su suffering with chronic pain it's barely being able to put your socks on suffering with chronic pain is puking because your body can't take the pain it's seeing the world through dizzy eyes because your brain can't focus on anything and is too tired from being in pain Suffering with chronic pain is going in and out of consciousness because your brain wants to check out from the pain. Suffering with chronic pain is being so fatigued from the day, but you can't sleep for more than a few hours because the pain keeps waking you up. I spent 24 years of my life suffering with chronic pain. I still suffer with chronic pain, only today I can say I have access to relief. And that's cannabis. I would have killed for something like this as a kid or when I was younger. Hell, I would have been satisfied with CBD since that still does something rather than nothing. More than over-the-counter pills can say. And I will tell you what. When I was in the hospital for my syndrome with a life-threatening infection, I would have rather had cannabis than the morphine they gave me. Drugs are drugs. I don't think it should be handed out, but I think it's more of a lesser evil type of thing. If the individual is already going to be given medications that will alter their mind and body in order to help the condition, I but believe cannabis can relieve them in a safer manner and do so effectively, then I think they or the parent are entitled to that right of choice. But of course, also treat it like a medicine, meaning you wouldn't take ibuprofen in if you weren't in pain and you wouldn't take a handful of them. Same concept of dosing correctly with cannabis and taking it to feel relieved instead of just high. There is also the concept of CBD when it comes to medical cannabis as well. Or even to just relieve suffering. Think about the quality of life here. Do you want someone who can't sleep, eat, barely walk, and spends the majority of their time in bed screaming and crying? Or would you want to give them cannabis that could act as a pain reliever that is safer than painkillers, but having the possibility of altering brain function? In which case, they are able to eat, sleep, and walk more than before, and the screams and cries are more like moaning pain if it isn't gone entirely. I think when it comes to cannabis, there is never a clear answer. It is the safest drug we have, even though it can cause side effects and impair brain function. So does all the legal ones. All the drugs, even the legal ones, even pharmaceutical ones. But in my opinion, the answer isn't to raise the legal age. The answer is to raise awareness, both about the positive and negatives. And to be aware that the answer isn't to just say, drugs are bad, okay? The answers can are different things, such as building a community with each other, encouraging people to seek help, knowing that addiction of any kind is a cry for help and not some immoral act, and knowing that people and kids are going to do what they want for the most part, so we should educate on how to do things responsibly. 
Abstinence doesn't work with sex, even with the scare tactics of STDs and gruesome detail of abortions and pregnancy. Not that those things don't happen, it's just how we're taught about them, in my opinion, is in the wrong way. Still, people have sex and then have no idea what to do because they aren't taught precautions. I think we should teach each other how to use responsibly and be aware of the dangers slash what to look out in the for in the black market instead of not saying anything at all except not to do weed and that if you do, you're a bad person that deserves to go to jail even as a minor. Because that's fucked up. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you learned something today. If you liked it, tell your friends, tell your patients, tell your bartenders, tell your grandmothers. Let's educate the masses together. And if you really like what I do here, consider being a monthly supporter. If you have comments, topics you want me to speak on, anything you'd like to say regarding the podcast, send me a voice message. The link should be in in the description. I would love to hear from you.